We have been studying Matthew's gospel. I'm going to move ahead. We'll come back, God willing, in future days and pick up some of what I'm jumping over. But I'm moving ahead in order to be in sync with what we're all celebrating this week. And so I'm going to ask you to turn um, to Matthew 26, beginning in verse 17. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 17, this is God's word. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night, Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. 
Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. You think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled? They say it must happen this way. At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were there looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, In the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? 
Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard with a, when a, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. What he endured is beyond what we can comprehend. And the portion that I've read from Matthew's account is just the start of what would take place that night. Jewish laws would be broken by those who were the guardians of the law. The way in which they conducted the trial was illegal. But they had to get it done because they, they had to get on with their desire, their murderous desire to kill the Lord. They accused him of blasphemy because he told the truth about who he is. There wasn't some evil thing that he'd done that got exposed. They brought a series of false witnesses and they were bumbling idiots. They couldn't even get their story straight ahead of time. And so even those who were determined to find him guilty had to send away one false witness after another because they couldn't agree. And you can't condemn someone unless you have two witnesses. That's why finally they relied on the words of Jesus. The false witnesses could not get their stories straight even though they'd been brought in there to tell lies about Jesus. So, go back to the meal. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He had told his disciples ahead of time. And yet, they didn't get it. They didn't believe it. They didn't accept it. It was just unthinkable. This is the one we've been waiting on. We left our business in order to follow him because we're convinced he's the Messiah. They were so sure that Jesus was the Messiah, they'd given everything else up. 
And now he's saying he's going to die? He's supposed to bring in the kingdom. He's been talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he wasn't talking about what they were talking about. They didn't get it. It's not about geography, it's about relationship. It's about the fact that they were in the presence of the king. So, Judas had already agreed in the verses prior to what we read this morning. Judas had already agreed to betray Jesus. And yet, when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, they're all saying, surely not I, Lord. Not me. I'd never do that. And when Jesus says it's the one who dips his bread into the bowl with mine, Judas says, surely not I, Lord. And Jesus says to him, yes, you're the one. Well, Judas wasn't wondering if he was the one. He knew he was the one. He was still playing the part. Still trying to look like the loyal disciple. The signal that he gave to the group that was coming to arrest Jesus. Because it was night. He said, it'll be the one I kiss. That's the one. Arrest him. And so, he gave a kiss. But it was no love. He betrayed his master with a kiss. Well, obviously we despise Judas for what he did. But can we relate to the others? But when Jesus says, guys, I need you to stay awake. You know, I'd like to. I'm just, but my eyes are heavy. Have you ever had heavy eyes? Have you ever been really sleepy? I stupidly postponed writing my term papers until they were all going to be due in a matter of days when I was in college. And I got the first one done. I'd done the research, I just hadn't written the paper. So I got the first one done. It was an all-nighter. Had to go to class the next day and do that. And the next night, I got the second one done. And uh, these were good papers, by the way. I got A's on them. And, uh, and then the third night that I'm staying up in a row to write this paper, I was, I was cranking it out. It was an A paper up until the point where I fell asleep with my eyes open. Literally. At some point I woke up and realized I'd been asleep with my eyes open. And I tried to concentrate again, write a conclusion to the paper. And I couldn't get my brain back. It had gone somewhere else. And so that was the end of the paper. When the professor gave the paper back to me, I got a B plus. The other two, I got A's, because I stayed awake. 
This one got a B plus, and he wrote, Jim, this was a solid A paper, but you had no conclusion. What happened? He wrote that on the paper. I was kind of embarrassed to tell him. But there are times when you and I just feel, ah, I can't go on anymore. I can't do it. I can't stay awake. Driving up from Florida yesterday, I dozed off while in the passenger seat. But when I offered to drive again for my wife, she said, are you sure you want to? You were snoozing a little while ago. And I said, I know. And now I'm ready to drive again. So we swapped out again, and I got to drive the final leg home. But I know what it is to be really sleepy. I know what it is to want to stay awake and just feel like physically I'm not up to it. Jesus said regarding himself, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. Jesus didn't feel like, eh, this is a good time for me to be crucified. He prayed, Father, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. He had already offered the cup to the disciples saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. But he knows what that'll cost. And so he says, Father, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. But there was no other way. Why? Because all the sacrifices, all the Passover lambs, all the sacrifices in the temple, all the sacrifices in the tabernacle, all the sacrifices going back to the garden pointed to the sacrifice that God would provide, and Jesus is it. Oh, what do we need a sacrifice for? Isn't isn't it just a way of saying, I love you, God, and so I'm killing an innocent animal? Oh, no, that wouldn't make sense, would it? Why would we kill an innocent animal? Because what we're saying is, I know that I deserve the death penalty. I know that I have sinned. I know that I deserve your wrath. And I know that the only way that I can be made right with you is through that blood sacrifice. But it's not the blood sacrifice of four-footed beasts. All those sacrifices were pointing to Jesus. All of that pointed to Jesus. The law not only showed us that we are lawbreakers, but it showed us what perfection looks like. And Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't keep all the rules of man. He didn't do everything that the religious people thought needed to be done. They had set up a bunch of other nitpicky, goofy rules that became the focus of their attention so that they didn't have to feel as badly about God's laws that they were breaking over and over again. Do 
You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law rests on those, Jesus said. Well, we don't do so well with that, so here's what we're going to do. You can't spit on the ground on the Sabbath day. Okay? Um, you, you can't carry anything on the Sabbath, though you can wear it. Okay? We've shared this before, but if there's a handkerchief on the floor downstairs and you pick it up and carry it upstairs, that's violating Sabbath law. If you pick it up and you wear it, upstairs and then take it off and put it on your dresser. That's fine. That's fine. You weren't carrying it. You were wearing it. What if it's bigger than a handkerchief? Like what? Like a mattress. Well, you can't carry a mattress up the stairs, but if you pick the mattress up and wrap it around yourself and tie it, then you're wearing it up the stairs. And that's okay. That's really what they did with God's law. And Jesus didn't play the game. Instead, he personified the fulfillment of the law. Jesus goes into the synagogue, and there's a man with a withered hand. And everybody's watching. These religious rules keepers are watching to see, is he going to heal that man? I know he likes to do that. If he sees a guy with a withered hand, you can see what the problem is. That's going to be hard for Jesus to resist. And if he heals on the Sabbath, that's work. That's got to be work. So we're going to nail him. Jesus sees what's going on, and he knows their thoughts. And so instead of saying to the guy with the withered hand, Hey, man, how are you doing? Um, good, well, you have a good day. And he just healed him, and nobody got to see it. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus calls the man up front and he says, so that everybody can see and everybody can hear, hey, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? Oh, to, do, to do good. Okay, well, this is good. And he healed the man. I hated him for it. Because I hated God. These super-religious, rules-focused people didn't love God and they didn't love their neighbor. They didn't want to see the guy with the withered hand get healed. They wanted to see people honoring them for keeping the rules better than somebody else. So, The mob, sent by the chief priests and the elders, comes to where Jesus has been in prayer. And they arrest him. And Jesus asks them, Am I leading a rebellion? You've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you didn't arrest me. He's shaming them. Because what they're doing is utter hypocrisy. It wasn't like Jesus was on the lamb. 
wearing some kind of disguise, dyed his hair and had a patch over his eye. No. Everybody knew. He was there in public. He was there at their headquarters. Now they come in the middle of the night to arrest him secretly, and they're going to try him in the middle of the night. And when he appears before the Sanhedrin, you have this pivotal exchange. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus knew that he was going to die. And he knew it would be brutal. And he knew that as he died, he would not only take on the penalty for our sin, but he who knew no sin would be made sin for us. It wasn't just our punishment that he bore, it was our guilt. It was our guilt. We can't imagine what that was because all of us are guilty. Think of the worst thing you've ever done. And then realize that probably the people around you also have something that they are deeply ashamed of. And then you multiply that times all the people for whom he died. And you realize it's not just that most shameful thing to you, it's all the other junk too. All our guilt was put upon him. How did Jesus feel about sin? He hated sin. God hates sin. Why? Because he's holy. And Jesus, who had never sinned in thought, in word, in deed, became sin for us. And the one who was the Father's delight cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But over and over in this passage, Jesus keeps saying, it has to happen this way. This is exactly what was written. This is the fulfillment of God's word. Jesus I mean there is so much here that I want to talk about. I want to talk about Peter cutting off Caiaphas ear, ear or the ear of Caiaphas servant. Um, there isn't time. But I want you to understand all these things happened one right after another in one night. 
This is all in one night. And while Jesus is going through this, Peter is having his own little trial outside. He has followed Jesus. He's as close as he can get. He wasn't invited, but he went. And a girl looks at him and says, you're with Jesus, aren't you? And he says, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's tested again by another person who says, I'm sure I saw you with him. And he swears. He says, no, lying and lying and lying, denying what he knew was true. Why? Self-preservation. None of us wants to be next. But what do you say when hostile voices accuse you of the truth? What were they saying about him? He's with Jesus. Uh, Who? No, not not me. It wasn't a convenient time to be identified with Jesus. He's on trial for his life, and it's not going so well. And Jesus has actually told us that he's going to die, so I, I didn't want it to go this way, but Jesus warned us. So he lies. He's caught off guard. He's scared. He's tired. He didn't get as much sleep in the garden as he was hoping for. And so now it's like, uh, I'm not responsible for what I say and do. But he was. And we are too. Matthew doesn't tell it. But in one of the Gospels, Peter has denied his Lord. And the rooster crows, and he looks, and Jesus is looking at him. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Have you ever blown it? Have you ever messed up? Even after you started following Jesus? You did the wrong thing. Not just once. Peter had said, no way will I forsake you. No way will they be able to get me. If I have to die, I'll die. But when it came time, it was like, no, this is not not what I had in mind. I wanted to die with a sword in my hand. I I don't want this. Peter utterly blew it. And that's why, from this point on, God had no use for Peter. Right? No. 
God had already given him that name. Jesus had said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed to you who I am. My Father in heaven, from now on, I'm calling you the rock. You're not shifting sands. You're the rock. Here he blew it. He did not live up to his new name. He blew it, and then he blew it, and then he blew it. And after Jesus rises from the dead, he reinstates Peter. He meets with him especially. And he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, oh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. You really love me? Yes. Lord, you know. Peter, do you really love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times. But Jesus gave him the chance to affirm three times what he had denied three times. Jesus still had a plan for the rock. And he still has a plan for you who are his children. Say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve that. Well, welcome to the club. None of us deserves God's grace. That's why it's grace. But don't miss, as we celebrate this week, what Jesus did for us. Don't miss the fact that the people who were his closest friends at the time are not very good examples of how to do it right. And be aware that they had not yet experienced Pentecost. What you and I who are followers of Christ today have is far greater than what they had prior to the resurrection. The Holy Spirit had not come upon them. But if you are in Christ... God himself lives in you. Does that mean you will never sin? No, but it does mean you don't have to. Please understand. Jesus didn't just die so that you could be forgiven. Jesus died so that having been forgiven, you could be the temple of the living God. That is good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. We thank you for the example of people like Peter who blew it and therefore show us that you do, in fact, love sinners. I pray that we would be faithful followers, that we would truly trust in you and be willing to give our lives in order to do your will. And we will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. For his sake, amen.